Hey everyone, welcome to the Fae Forge Academy. Uh, I'm Steven, your dungeon master normally. Today I'm just going to be a host um, because we figured that this week was not the week to continue just telling a story. As most of you who listen to our show probably have been made aware, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of stuff going on in, in the United States right now surrounding um, Black Lives, the death of, of George Floyd, um, and the protests around the country intermixed with the pandemic continuing on. And this has been something that has been ongoing in our country, the struggle of people of color, but particularly black folks in, in our country. Um, we have years and years of racism and slavery and um, oppression that our country is having to wrestle and deal with again. Um, and so today, uh, Michael and I just wanted to have a conversation about that. So, um, so that's what we're going to do. We're going to talk about what we see going on and um, our experiences. And, and I want to say we're not sociologists. We're not. Um, particularly me, I'm a white presenting male. I'm, I'm not an expert on this subject. Um, I'm not a historian or any of that, but we just wanted to give you kind of our thoughts and elevate this conversation because it is more important than a game. Uh, so with that, I'm going to kind of give the mic over to Michael. And uh, yeah, why don't you why don't you give us a little intro on who you are and what this conversation means to you and stuff? Sure. Um, so my name is Michael. Uh, I usually just go by Michael Andrew. Well, so Michael Andrew Sinclair the second is my name. Um, I usually give that full name. Um, <laughs> and uh, but you you see me by Michael Kritz on Twitter, um, which I. I ask you to check out um, it. I also, uh, there's so many things I want to say about this topic and recent events. And it's really hard to form my thoughts to kind of speak into for you folks who listen to our podcast. Um, I guess first things first, I don't even know if some of you folks know that I'm a black person, uh, um, a black man who's playing this uh, black boy, Besky. And I play black characters in Dungeons and Dragons uh, with a lot of intention. It's not, I don't, I don't do it because I'm it, out of laziness. I'm like, oh, I'm black, so I'm going to play a black character. This is, I'm black. I don't see many black people or black literature or black, just myself in, in a lot of these games. So Besky is very intentional. I, I play him. Uh, and his background, everything about him is, is with intent. So with that, um, uh, like I was previously saying, there's so much angles I want to take this. But um, I guess we have to also give you some background. And I'm not going to uh, go into the huge detail. Um, this is going to be a kind of a shorter episode. But, you know, if you want to do a quick Google search, it's the least you can do. Um, I'm at Ahmad Aubrey. George Floyd and uh, the one incident with Amy Cooper, 
which if by the way she got her dog back today so that's cool uh, uh so just look up those three cases those are the recent cases but this is not the only cases this is not a um this isn't like just an isolated event in our in america's history uh recently either um there's also other things that oh go ahead i was gonna say yeah this is just like the last week and a half or yeah this is the last week and a half which is you know i'm gonna say black as usual like this is this is a normal and normal day in black life and that's why people are are making these protests uh protests black lives matter because this shouldn't be normal um also, some more backdrop, you know, you have slavery, which most people know about in America, and then you have Jim Crow, and then people now uh, associate mass incarceration with new Jim Crow, because if you look up felony um, and the rates of how much, uh, if you look up the rates of how many uh, black people are incarcerated, like percentage-wise... Uh, you can see easily, even like just low class people, it doesn't even necessarily be black, but specifically black and made for that reason, uh, that you, you're given a felony charge and then you have less rights than you did when Jim Crow happened or even like ex- right after uh, slavery, like post-slavery, like some people who are felons or all felons rather have less rights than right after the sla- slavery ended with uh with Lincoln Emancipation Proclamation. Anyway, so, and if you need to look up resources, there are plenty. Uh, 13th was something that a lot of people were, were kind of talking about on Twitter. It's on Netflix. Um, so you can kind of just get your intro into that. Um, yeah, and I think I think I'll, I'll link some, in our in our show notes, I'll link some, some book resources and stuff as well. Perfect, yeah. Uh, and I was also going to toss this out like, I feel like I generally have the energy and it's my, I feel comfortable educating folks. Um, so if you are on Twitter and you send me a, a DM asking for resources or um, just more insight, I can provide a little bit of that. I, I obviously, I only have so much energy uh, and I know there's a lot of black folks who are saying like, you do the work, you look it up. Um, but someone who I feel like as a, uh, what's the word for it? Um, a, a casual educator. I love uh, providing people with resources and creating one less step for for barrier to entry. So, if you need to uh, ask me a quick little thing, I don't mind. Uh, just you know, message you real quickly uh, back. So now that we have like most of that context um, there, um, and this is such a big subject, uh, so we went over you know, where we are present day as far as like new Jim Crow, which I think that's accurate mm-hmm. and the recent murders, um, you know, what, what are, what are the black lives matter protests about? Well, it's this incident is mostly primarily centered around George Floyd. However, if we just keep looking back, um, I think to 1965, I'm really bad with dates, but around the 1960s, you had the um, Emmett Till, so um ever since then and, and progressing till now um <clears throat> we've had just black people being murdered uh and those are the ones that we catch the hashtags are the ones we catch mm-hmm. um, or make big enough of an impact um so much more uh, black folks 
And when I say folks, folks mean black, black men, black women, transgender folks, like, you know, the, the whole gay folks, like the whole spectrum of, of black lives. Um, and another thing I saw is like, you know, black lives matter means LGBTQA, um, folks that that whole thing where all those black people are included in that. Um, because not only just being a black man is scary, being a black woman is scary and being black transgender, that's like the scariest thing. Um, mm-hmm. because people think they matter less, which is insane. Um, <clears throat> so that's where the black lives matter, uh, hashtags are about and it was actually created by three wonderful women uh one of them i know is patrice con coolers and she has two other women with her in the movement that just started in 2015 mm-hmm. so this movement uh black lives matter the the intention the, the 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 um subject matter of it is not new but that hashtag and that movement is and it's been gaining a lot of power because it's easy to kind of Black Lives Matter is an easy thing to kind of see and and it's easy to pass along. And that's why we're seeing like all these protests here in America and all over the world. Uh, so. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, it's, it's crazy that it's gone global. <laughs> yeah, like, and how can it not? Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's, it's a beautiful, tragic thing to see that it yeah, has to, right. that it has to go that big. <clears throat> anyway, sorry. Continue. No, yeah, absolutely. You're you're right. It's it's great to see, and um, so I gave a little bit about that about Black Lives Matter there, um, and you know when we say Black Lives Matter, why is it not you know the common retort is why doesn't all lives matter? And that's not what we're saying. We're just saying Black Lives Matter specifically in this moment because throughout history. modern day history um we have mattered less so we're trying to we're trying to say that we matter and that the black people matter and that a lot of things a lot of good can come from just that starting that people actually getting that black lives matter that means that you know other people of color's lives are going to matter um, because it starts from like, we're, you know, we're, we're the, if you look through all the data, uh, other than American Indians, like, uh, black lives are the ones who have the hardest hardships through their life, um, systematically, systemically put there in place. Um, and once we can start being uplifted, everyone uplifts with us. And that's mm-hmm. kind of the premise of that. So we're not saying that all lives don't matter. We're just saying that if you lift us up, you know, just like the burden of all, everything else for black people, we can lift everyone else up, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, and that's where that starts from. Uh, and I'm, I'm giving such a general overview of all this. That it goes into so much more depth and nuance. And that's why it can seem easy for people to pick apart our, our, our argument or our, our movement, because, it's so nuanced and specifically that way because of um, society today. There's, there's books on this about like white fragility and 
the new Jim Crow and um, what's the other book that I have by e- Ibram Kendi, um, How to Be Anti-Racist. You know, mm-hmm. the, you can see that there's a veil put over America, bigger the world, that, uh, you know, how's the racism existing? It doesn't exist. Well, it does. And you don't see it because they actively want you not to see that. Well, it's that, um, it's that the victors, the victors write history, right? Yeah. The exactly. people in power write history. Yeah. So, and that's another premise of how um, you don't, you may not see it is that, you know, if you think about your education, at least up to, um, up to your high school degree or high school, I forget what you call it, but up to 12th grade in America and even around the world, um, the history books are written by the education department that are approved by a whole bunch of people who don't look like me. So, um, <clears throat> civil rights was defeated in the sixties or, or yeah. racism was defeated in the sixties and we're cool. Wash our hands. We're cool. Obviously. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> But that's not the case. Um, there's a, there's more to history than you're given, and you only can really start getting access to that or seeing some of the light, sadly, after high school. Um, you can mm-hmm. start earlier, but you have to pick up on that. Um, so I guess I'm kind of going in a lot of directions, um, but... No, I think that's okay, because this is, this is such... I think it's important for people to grasp that this is not... This is not just a simple, like bandwagon thing this is 400 years you can even argue more of yeah of oppression and history that has defined this and that the history of a people is carried on in the in the present day and and so to think that this is just one simple like oh like even even a a fix is not just a oh all we have to do is I'll be aware that racism exists and then it'll be gone. Like, no, it's, it's all complicated and hard and heavy and big. And there's, there's no way. I mean, there's whole podcasts, not episodes, like whole podcasts and books and college courses covering this topic. So we hope listeners that as you're listening, this is not like, if you listen to this, you don't get it. (laughs) Like this is not the be all end all. And maybe you do, maybe you already have done a lot of work on the education piece. But if this is your first exposure to it, this is not this is not the end of it. This is this is like a s- tiny drop of water in an ocean. Yeah, uh, hopefully this is just your your spring into the the your um what do you call this uh in pools when you jump off the dive. Yeah, it's hopefully it's the diving board. Like hopefully this is your your starting off jumping point, the diving board for you to get educated. And this is another thing I'm going to speak into because I don't want to approach it um from the standpoint that I knew everything my whole life about, you know, the black experience and all this data and history and all that. No, I had to learn it. Um and I think in 13th they said it like uh white folks you primarily get taught racism through school i'm not saying that you know i know people get very scared about the racist word but the bigger impact is if you don't self-analyze that that means you're not going to see um black black folks being killed or being oppressed you know if that word you taking harm to that word is more painful 
than actually looking at what's happening, then um, that's that's another thing that has been taught to you. Um, so where was I going with that? Um, <clears throat> lost my train of thought. Thank Michael. You're good. Yeah. Okay. So I got it. Yeah. So, you know, you're taught default racism and some people, uh, are, uh, had opportunities to be educated, not with that only kind of, uh, fed through the education system. Like some people have some people who were uh, already, what do you call this? proactive like they had family members who were proactive in the movements like civil rights movements maybe you you know you had someone who um was already participating in that or you are black and you had you know um parents who were educated on that and i say that specifically because to get to my actual point is and they said in 13th that black people have to actually even learn anti-blackness and you see that and I, I personally experience that. I've only been doing this work for maybe, like truly been doing this work for maybe five years. And I noticed that I had to start looking at what life was after the military. So I'm a veteran as well. And throughout my whole life, I lived different social classes, but for most of it was like middle to high income. But I've been the low, one of the lowest of the low classes as well. Uh, throughout my life but i had a lot of shelters in place and uh you know going to sometimes a good school or a good neighborhood or my father never like kind of talked to me about this either which i found strange um but i only started feeling racism or start to to see it when i was in the philippines as as a young young boy and then coming to america i was like oh america's better went into the military i saw biases but i didn't think about racism because I could easily not think about it. And then um, as I got out of the military, I was like, well, I'm seeing all these things happening in the news. That That's only when it started occurring to me. And like, what does black look like on the outside of the military now that I no longer have the protection of saying I'm active duty, you know, not that you can't touch me, but it makes it much harder for anyone to interact, like specifically law enforcement to be like, oh, we're just going to smoke you right here and there without like jag and you know military mm-hmm. investigators having to be like what happened with our our sailor you know um so once i got out i was like okay it's me against the world <laughs> so yeah. i got to get educated so the point of all that was that i'm not perfect um there's there there are people who are who've been more educated in their whole life about um <clears throat> about racism and systemic racism. And I'm still new to this. So what I'm saying is I continue to do the work. Um, I don't want to say constantly, but as much as I can in my whole life, I usually am reading a book about uh, racism and all that stuff. Um, so there's work required and I love the work. And it's, it's, it's actually all about all of us. The more mm-hmm. I know about racism and our history, the more I have empathy and support for other folks. Um, it's it's all part of it so i guess that's the 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 place i want to be actually say is like anti-blackness racism is not um like it it is not it shouldn't be taken like you can be defensive about it sure but that's not helpful um but like doing the work and like it's required of all of us to do the work Mm -hmm. um and i'm not i'm not absolved of that either 
Well, and I, I think that's what you're saying speaks to a really important point too. Um, I think there's this myth in our country that racism is actively like being like, I hate black people. I'm going to go actively try and oppress black people myself as an individual. Like, I think that's, that's what's taught in, I don't know if you can hear my kids yelling in the background. I can. (laughs) Sweet. Um, But I feel like that's like, when I look back on, on my life, that's what I was taught in, in, in school, especially like you said, up to, up to college, right? Like racism meant you were part of the KKK. Racism meant you were involved in the lynching and taking of black lives. Um, And while those are overt, very obvious forms of racism, the racism in our country has partially because of the, the civil rights act and everything has become this undertone um, that you have to, in some cases search for. And it's so much more than one individual one quote unquote bad apple, right? It's systems in place. And when you, and to search for those systems is where you really, really have to be educated. Yeah. And, and you have to have moral constitution. Um, you know, people in America like to say that we're like, we're tough, we're hardworking, which is, you know, eh, but <laughs> it might've been true at some point. Um, you know, and, and, and some people are, but I think you you have to once we once you hear this stuff once you do the work you have to be willing to get uncomfortable um and 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 talk about it and analyze and 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 look inside uh that's something i also had to do um so you know once you start looking at the literature and articles and um things that are backed up like you you, you see books that have resources and you can you can see people who can um vouch for that like once you start seeing the data it gets scary and scary quick um but you have to be willing to sit in it and be uncomfortable and maybe you know you can't do it all in one sitting gotcha understand but like be willing to come back Mm -hmm. because that's you know that's that's how the work gets done um the the other thing like i want to also say is like you know, I said I wasn't a saint about, you know, knowing everything about, you know, my, my blackness and, and black history. You know, the same goes for LGBTQA stuff. I didn't start doing that work up until around the same time, like five years ago, because I was just like, all right, I have a fellow Navy sailor. Um, she is transgender. Um, Akira Wyatt, you've probably seen maybe something about her when that incident in the Philippines happened and she spoke up. She's also Filipino. I am half Filipino. Um and, you know, I didn't have the, a good amount of, res- you know, I didn't have the respect needed for uh, people in the LGBTQA community until I did the work and had to acknowledge my biases and all this stuff. So I'm all just saying both, all, all this for Black Lives Matter, racism, LGBTQA, because, you know, I'm trying to say to all of you that we are not all saints. And just because one presents as a certain way doesn't mean that I know everything and there's so much work to do. Um, and I don't want you to feel like you're drinking out of fire hose either, but you have to take the steps. Um, and that's that I want to come from that, from an education standpoint. So, yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, um, 
do you want to go through the questions or sure uh, you... and then i'll just say um <clears throat> we'll go into the questions here um but i just want to say this isn't the end of the conversation like i said if you want more resources about what i'm talking about um and you you know i am only one black face not black face but black face in the community right and i don't have all the answers but i'm willing to do the work and i'm also willing to kind of maybe help provide a starting point if you're curious and should be curious but um if you reach out to me on twitter uh, or other resources that you know you can always look up michael kritz and find a way to get in contact with me but i don't mind taking a little bit out of my day to help you folks out find out more info um, because I'm not going to be able to answer everything um, in the short amount of time I did. And um, I'm not the only person, um, I'm not the only face in this in this uh, community to talk about it. So um, if I said something incorrect, please let me know, and I will do my due diligence and research. So that's all I want to say. Awesome. <clears throat> um, I'm going to jump around this question list that I wrote out, if that's okay oh, with yeah. you. Yeah, um, absolutely. But I think I think where I'm going to start is I didn't I didn't share very much about myself, um, but my wife and I are parents of two black kids, um, and we are white, and so a lot of what we have done has been accelerated by what our family looks like. Um, a lot of the the research and the learning um and and the setting aside my white privilege to to look into and try to see the world through um my black children's eyes um so i guess what I, one of the things i want to ask you um is with that being the father of two black kids um what is something that we need to be aware of as 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 parents of, of black children, what, um, kind of from your perspective. Right. Um, yeah. And, and I also want to preface that we, me and Steven kind of had another night this week where we kind of touched up on it a little bit. So, uh, like I said, if you have more questions about it, feel free to contact me or Steven. I'm sure Steven, mm -hmm. actually, let me ask you if you're okay with, okay with that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, if you want to know more stuff, uh, like background or insight, but so, and you said, uh, you know, being parents of black, two black kids, uh, <clears throat> what's something that you folks should be aware of? Um, yeah, um, right. They, you spoke um, early in the week that you're worried about the day that you know, maybe your 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 kids say like you don't know how it's like, you know, mm -hmm. um, and you you can only answer, you know. You can only answer and say like I don't, and and be truthful about it. Um, and so, the perspective and the reality um, of their their lives, like from their perspective, is going to be really different. And you're going to have to sit down and 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 uh, listen, mm -hmm. and listen in between the words, and 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 gather context from that uh, about any experiences they do share with you. Um, <clears throat> I know, you know, I think for the listeners out there, if you haven't seen um, people talking about the subject, um, about living while black, um, 
this might be new to you, but the, so I'm, I'm already a calculated person about risk and in, in outcomes. Um, but being black just, uh, exponentially adds on to that. Um, because once, like I said, once I, I was getting out of the military, like two years before I left and I left in 2017. Uh, so I started most of this work around 2015. Um, <clears throat> not, I mean, you know, uh, not all of it, like, you know, obviously I still cared about black folks. I still cared about LGBTQA people, but not to the grounds that I do or know now. Um, so, oh, geez, there's so much to go. But, uh, <laughs> I was just seeing the perspective. Uh, <clears throat> yeah. So talking about like my kids, how they'll yes. like, I need to listen. Yes. Um, oh, the the living while black. That's what yes, it was. Yes, yes. Um, you have to. The best way to say this, and I've seen it around, is that we don't live in a black world or like a a world of diversity. Um, sad to say, like we see people physically that are diverse, but we don't live in that. We live in a white, a primarily white society. Um, and that even includes in countries that don't ha- like the where the majority isn't white. Sadly, sometimes, um, and you'll see colorism, which you can look that up as well. But um, the black experience is that you have to calculate your body, your your color, in everyday spaces outside of your own home, and even within your own home. Um, so when I go outside, when I go to the grocery store, you know, I I move a certain way, right? I'm, I'm like, okay, let me, uh, you know, there's a lady in the aisle uh, and she's looking for something in the section that I need to look something like, you know, I wait, right. I'm going to wait until she either sees me and acknowledges my presence. And then I say, Hey, can I go and reach in there? And I just don't go reaching in there because I know I can appear scary to other people. Um, you know, it me and Steven joked about like, you know, driving while black. Cause he's like, Hey, you know, when my son gets a driving age, do you mind, you know, coming down and teaching him how to drive while black? And I was like, yeah, it's a different experience than just driving because you have to be aware of sig. Like I, I make sure I signal perfectly, you know, um, I usually give other people a right away. Cause even if I get in an accident, I know there's a chance that I'm not believed if I did create that accident at all mm-hmm. when the cops show up. So there's just like, you know, all this stuff. And the point was like, what do you want to be aware as being my parents? It's just like their approach to life is much more, is going to be much more tedious than mm-hmm. it is um, compared to the life that of which you and your wife live. Yeah. And, uh, and that's scary. And, and we also talked about, and just to brush up on it really quickly, that there seems to be a weird age when you're a preteen for, for black kids. We're like, you know, and I'm sure listeners, you're like, oh, I've seen like, you know, a black baby before, a black child, et cetera, et cetera. They're so cute, right? They, they're, you know, because I mean, they're kids. They're cute. They're awesome, right? And then once they get to an age where people can think they're dangerous, which I don't know how in this country it's around preteen age, like 12, we're not dangerous at all, you know, but once they get around 12, they start getting discarded or disregarded and seen as dangerous or acting out or being aggressive or loud, like when they're just being the same as other, everyone else. And so like society at some point sees 
a black kid as not adorable and something to discriminate against. Um, and that's a hard port when there's a hard shift and, and the ability of the kid to adapt to that as well as the parent, because there's going to be a, a major tone shift. Mm-hmm. And that's another scary thing. Yeah. That's um, one. That's really interesting. in in, in that, um, I was actually just reading, um, is it, is it called let's talk about race? So you want to talk about race? Yeah. I, I just got that book. Yeah, yeah. I work right next to a bookstore. <laughs> nice. Um, and the author was, was talking about how you actually even see that in, in the preschool age kids. And we, we've experienced some of that where, um, our daughter has a ton of energy. Um, she's super fun. She loves to play. Yeah. She likes to run around. Um, and she has been referred to as aggressive as a, as like a one and a half year old. Yeah. You know, and it's like, it's like, well, she's one and a half, like no one and a mm-hmm. half year old is aggressive. Like she's yeah. playing like what? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, I mean, knowing that we have to be more and more aware is, I don't even know the right word. Um, important um yeah because that's if that's how she's viewed as a one and a half year old what's mm-hmm. it going to be when she's 15 or 18 yeah um yeah uh. which which i think kind of what you've been talking about ties into one of the other questions that i had sent you is uh mm-hmm. what is something you wish white people could understand about being black in america yeah um right we live in uh, society or the country where um, people believe and that it's equality for all and we can all you know lift ourselves by our bootstraps and and every, there's success for everyone um, while that is true in some regards it's sometimes it's it's harder for black folks in almost every um, regard uh, every parameter that being like education sometimes uh depending where you live your zip code so like it starts from the zip code mm-hmm. um, you know it starts from your zip code um people are like oh you know why are black folks lazy or why can't they get out of the hood or they all just want to they just stay in there it's like no there's a system of oppression like via zip codes now um lock people in like you have less access to loans imagine not being able to access loans you know zip code also dictates your education because the taxes mm-hmm. i think it's the property taxes of the, yep. the place to, yep funnels into the school and if the school isn't spending their resources on policing in school yeah. then you get some of that money for school yeah y'all which, y'all need know, to research the the school the prison pipeline we don't have time it's to a go real into thing. that but y'all need to so research shocking. it so shocking yeah, I've just that's been on my radar for like the past year and it's scary, but I've just come up onto that learning is that as well. Mm-hmm. So um <clears throat> but, you know, from communities depending if you're from a community of color, like it's just that much harder and the bootstraps are really hard when you don't have bootstraps or boots or whatever like and that that's just another barrier that's put in front of us. So when you see um black folks 
doing well like you're like oh beyonce made it jay-z made it uh 50 cent you know curtis jackson um barack obama you know they got there against all odds it's not that and it's not to say that you know other black folks can't do it we just have so much other obstacles they're extraordinary you have to understand the black folks that you see are successful are extraordinary like Mm -hmm extra extra extraordinary and not because they're extraordinary because of who they are uh they're extraordinary because of how much they had to fight through and the circumstances they had to get there where you know they shouldn't have to do that Mm -hmm. they they shouldn't like you know they it it should be a level playing field like being ordinary should should be okay right (laughs) um because for you know white folks uh, and i'm not saying this is like oh I'm, I'm just scolding you but like you don't have to be extraordinary to to get to the same places that some people of color have to be yeah so that's i guess that's what i want um you know white folks or people who are white presenting to kind of know is that um that whatever goals that you want to achieve um the obstacles are more plentiful and much harder to break through in order to succeed. Um, And to also always know that you have to have your life in perspective or else that could be taken away. If you're not, if you relax at the wrong time, that could be your life. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It really is so important. I feel like for, for white people like me to, to really understand that piece that like <clears throat> it, it shouldn't take extraordinary to be ordinary. If that, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and it doesn't, I think if you're white and you're listening to this, it doesn't dis this doesn't discount anything that you have to work through to, to do. Um, I think uh, what's what's the right way to say this like acknowledging the pain and the struggle of black folks doesn't mean that you didn't have to work hard to get where you are absolutely not it's just acknowledging that wow maybe I did have one or two or three or ten advantages privileges yeah, that black folks don't have, and and then going okay, so how do we how do we get rid of those? And I don't I don't have the answers, um, mm-hmm. and it's not my job to have the answers. It's my job to listen. Um, yeah, I mean, just to quickly also add on, there's so much things that I can like tack on, but um, right people, what's the thing called when uh like schools have slots for people of color or jobs do? Uh, I forget what the oh, thing's called. Action? Affirmative action, people get very mad about that. But, um, you know, a quick thing that I just read the other day is that, like, for colleges, like, you know, white folks were very felt discriminated upon, which is crazy, uh, that their slots were going away because people of less deserving, I guess that's the argument. I don't know. Yeah. Um, That their slots were being taken away and it's not fair, right? So, like, when that opened up, you saw like an increase of, black and people of color to get into colleges. And then once they took away that and said, okay, we're just doing this through a a merit-based system, complete merit-based system, which I can't tell you the ways how that's systemic racism because we're not given the same opportunities as white folks. So we don't excel as much. 
um, or it's much harder to that <clears throat> once that was passed that, you know, we're not doing affirmative action for certain schools, the, the percentages dropped mm-hmm. significantly for like almost 60% less people either got in or applied because they just, they weren't going to get in like, well, and you know, and without, I was just reading, actually, I was just, I literally yesterday was reading about affirmative action. And one of the myths is that there were even slots. Um, there's not actually a quota. Sure. That there's, there's schools are supposed to have that, that participate in affirmative action are supposed to set goals to try mm-hmm. to get percentages that match the community that they're in. Oh, okay. Yeah. Like, see, I'm still well not learned. Like I'm telling people right now and I'm still learning, but thanks. And, yeah. And so that's the thing that's even crazier is it's like, there's not, there's not like, it's not like, Oh, our school has to have X black X number of black people. Like that's not even mm-hmm. how it works. And kind of like what you're saying as a, a system as a whole, it's been gutted um, pretty significantly. Yeah. And yeah. And the minute that starts to happen, you watch as the percentages of schools almost instantly start pushing back into um, disproportionately white where like, yeah, I'm, I'm making up numbers. So don't quote me on this. This is just to explain what I'm trying to say is that like, say a school is 60% white or a community, 60% white, 20% black, 20% Latino hypothetically. Um, that's the goal for the school. And when you take away that affirmative action, it starts going into 70% white and 15 and 15 or 80% white and 10 and 10. And you, and you just watch as that, that number grows and pushes out people of color. Um, yep. And then if people don't see people like them at that school or welcome, like they don't want to go there. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, cause it much, makes it much harder to kind of feel community. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, like you were saying, just to touch up on that, and we'll move to the next question, is that that let's just say the percentage, when he says percentages, it only has to be percentage of that area, probably zip code. And if that's the case, like think about, you know, the families, black families or people of color families that live around college campuses, you know, I, I would, you know, I would bet that it's not, uh, it's not, it doesn't show a real like, mixture of diversity it's probably like there's two percent of three percent of black people who live three percent of our population in the zip code for this university or whatever live here so they get three percent of the quote like what mm-hmm. um but anyway so i guess we can move on to another question if you'd like sure Stephen. um i think i'm gonna go along with because i feel like this what we're talking about right now is falls into this category but um, the protests and riots, I feel like make particularly white people uncomfortable, scared, or even angry. Um, mm-hmm. what do you feel when you see people taking to the streets and protesting and even the riots and, and the more violent yeah. side of everything? Yeah. Um, so I went to a protest here in SoCan. I only went for like, you know, an hour and change because, um, you know, I didn't, I have some benefits that I don't want to be like taken away from me, which sucks. Like I should be out there protesting more and not scared about that. But like, I also want, 
not to be put in a precarious situation where, um, <clears throat> what do you call this? That, you know, I don't, I can't succeed, which means like, I don't want to be arrested mm-hmm. uh, and, and power to the people who are out there and, 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 and getting the work done. And I'm choosing this as my venue, but so about the protests and riots um, <clears throat> and, and people, white people feeling uncomfortable. Um, right. So, the protests are really important. You see them all over the world. And for the most part, uh, you know, I'm going to throw out a figurative number, 90, 95%, probably more of it is peaceful. And, you know, the violence doesn't really start until the police who feel uncomfortable. Uh, for the, I'm saying for the most part, not every time, but like that when they start feeling uncomfortable, they get aggressive and then, you know, aggression begets aggression in these cases uh, because, you know, that's what sometimes I think that's what they're looking for. Um, and then, you know, riots break out and it's because people are frustrated. Uh, and you, there's so many places that's been saying that, like, the riots are happening because we're not being heard and we haven't been being heard and that riots aren't new to this country nor are riots primarily just something that happens at black protests. Mm-hmm. America was founded on riots. Um, there was a Twitter thread of all the times just white people rioted and normally for the wrong reasons of we don't want these black folks here mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. or we don't like black people getting these rights and literally burning down buildings. Um, you know, so and then, you know, the, a day later or a week later or whatever, in, in that history, white folks got their wish and, you know, black people got suppressed again. Or, uh, or you know, we, the, the Boston Tea Party, like that was successful about all that. So like riots do lead to things. And it's just a, you have to understand that, like, when we talk, we, we've been talking about racism as a whole, that through the media and social media it misinformation is being put out there and trying to deflect from the issue of the protest which is black lives matter they're trying to have you look at just the riots instead of what everyone else is saying because deflecting is easy and it knocks the they're trying to make you think like just because they are rioting means that their argument is null and void and like, how can you think about that when we're saying Black Lives Matter, I matter, my life should be as equal to yours. I'm a human being, but, you know, because there are some people who broke stores, um, property, um, that that just nullifies everything that we are saying. And, you know, you see the videos, it's mostly not people who are part of the protests. And there's an article that was written that you know, the, the, the protester and the rioter um, are usually two different people um, for the most part. And that one person who comes to protest comes with the intent to protest the whole time. And the person who comes to riot has the intention to just riot. Um, and <clears throat> that's, that's what you're seeing is like the media mixing the two together when really the peaceful protester is there to peacefully protest the whole time and go home. Mm-hmm. And then the person who is there to stay afterwards and entice uh, 
aggressiveness and riots and and loot although like i have something about looting but and loot like that's their intention the whole time and there are people who just are opportunistic like you're human as well like i'm a human like mm-hmm. you know you see a rolex on the ground no one saw you take it or it's, no one saw it drop like you know i would i would i would not take it but i would bet that you'd have the thought of like hmm i wonder if i could just take this like fifty thousand dollar rolex sell it and improve my life like you know of course that's a thought that someone comes in your head and some people have been frustrated their whole lives and not and and you know dealt with the things that we were saying the obstacles and they see like oh there's like you know some workout shoes that i've wanted or there's like um food you know whatever food food resources like i'm gonna take that real quick as and improve my life just for this temporary moment and it feels emotionally satisfactory for a little bit like you know that might happen but that's not the whole point like the protests are the main point where our, our lives matter and there's so much more resources just please hit me up if you if you're confused about the looting and the rioting and like how those are different um mm-hmm. and how they're not and they're the rights are to there to distract you or the media is highlighting them to distract you mm-hmm. yep um i think we've been going for about an hour so i think why mm-hmm. don't we finish off with this question we sure we're we're a Dungeons and Dragons podcast. Oh yeah, primarily. <laughs> I don't know if you knew that, <laughs> um, but uh, how can we, as a community, uh, use tabletop RPGs to promote equality for Black folks as a whole? Yeah, um, I started the conversation kind of with this today, um, but. I intentionally play Besky as a black person um, in a fantasy realm because you don't see that many black folks in fantasy, right? Or black people in positions of power without them being the antagonist or um, it seeming like they shouldn't have got there. They only got there through uh, Dusex Machina. I don't know how to pronounce that. Mm-hmm. But like they got there from magical means. Like, you know, it's not normal to see a black success. <laughs> um, and so, like, I think there's so much ways to do better because, like, d is all about storytelling, right? So, um, and there's so many powerful stories you can share of just, like, black society um, being in a fantasy realm and, like, a functioning community, right? Because we all want to, we play D&D, to be heroes and to see, you know, all these moralities, uh, I guess, multi- not multiplied, but all these realities kind of magnified. So, like, you see yourself as a hero and you want to really feel like a hero. Um, you see the bad guys, you want them to be really bad. And, you know, why, you know, why can't you have a, 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 black people or black folks or a black person elevated to high status in a fantasy setting like just think about like the last time you saw that in a campaign right um we had chult in D, and that was there's so much to unpack there and i haven't like completely read through chult but like i think could have done a little bit better um mm-hmm. but i think in adding more black people to your narrative um in your narrative in your stories um as positive figures is important for tabletop role playing games because um 
when even if you think about it, like if your party is just majority white folks in your in your party, like or you live in like a place where you rarely see any black people, it's like if you're gonna put a black person in your campaign or something like that, like why or not you know, or sorry, if you're gonna if you have a campaign, why not put someone of color in there or a black person in there? Um to to show that your 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 world is 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 um what's the word for it is diverse it's full um robust and having the characters uh interact with black characters positively is another way that you can do some work and 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 provide learning opportunities um and just a, a really weird one-off thing that I kind of want to go into, Stephen, if you, yep. if you let me. Um, and I don't know if I'm the only one in the community who feels this way, but I, I, I did want to share it or at least speak about it. And please, everyone hit me on Twitter about this because this is something like I'm really trying to navigate and I've had mm-hmm. a lot of thoughts of. Um, and maybe, Stephen, you, you kind of feel or hear some of this is orcs and half orcs, right? I feel like there is a unconscious connection to black folks. And I'm not saying that, um, you know, black folks are orcs and orcs are black folks. Um, but I'm saying there's some things in society, these, these little descriptors or the, the traits that like orcs and half orcs have that, are done in Dungeon and Dragons or tabletop RPGs that are similar to those, and they're talked about negatively. Um, like we're like, you know, orcs are aggressive. They're hypersexualized. They're um, they're barbaric. You know, they're tribalistic. Um, they're <clears throat> you know emotional, passionate. Like all these things, right? Um, and you, and and you can, people like to treat orcs in these games kind of similarly if you look and mirror it to like real life, how societies treat black people. And, um, you know, I'd, I'd like to e- actually even put out there like, be mindful of how you use orcs and half orcs because I feel like there's enough of a, even if it's a small connection that, that can, that you can see people be very, racist i guess is the word towards orcs in a way that looks seems similar to real life where white folks would be racist to to black people um so i actually want to kind of like throw out there like um and i might be way off right right now um but i feel like no matter what race you're playing in dungeon and dragons like you need to think about the role-playing aspect and the characteristics that you're embodying or the stories that you are telling. Um, because there, I think there's coded language in, in mm-hmm. these tabletop mm-hmm. role-playing games that is hard to notice that they take similar traits to real life people. Um, totally. And so being more mindful, like this is just the whole talk discussion is just being more mindful about all this stuff and how you engage. Yep. Um, what do you feel, Stephen? About I actually want to get like some of your insight about orcs and half orcs. Yeah, and, and I kind mean, of like. I think I think it's, um, 
I, abs- I absolutely agree with you. I think um, especially there's people who have done much more, a lot more research. I've done a little bit into this, but even how um, orcs are portrayed in, in lots of fantasy settings, even outside Dungeons and Dragons, um, are all kind of like you said, this barbaric, aggressive, um, all these words that people use in the same way to talk about black folks. And, and in, in my opinion, to see, to not see a connection there is to, especially when it's explained to you is to choose, to choose to want to have the freedom to express racism. Um, and I, so like personally in my games, um, one on a practical level, like I don't, I don't have like orcs. I think are supposed to have like a minus two intelligence modifier, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, like no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's all I have to say about that. Um, sure. <laughs> and and orcs and half orcs, like any other sentient creature, have very diverse societies. Um, there are good and bad. There are aggressive. There are there are kind, yeah. there are empathetic, there are straight, there are gay, there are trans, there are yeah. like because that it, it's just like saying I just I, I have a really hard time with like, well, this group is aggressive and barbaric and evil, and that's the way they are. Yeah. Because because like you said, there's and I and you're you are not the first black person to say to say that like hey this is i see this as a problem and i feel like as as a white person it's my responsibility to go okay because i don't experience the oppression and racism of white people yeah i i I don't and so um yeah that's i mean that's kind of how i feel about it yeah real quick is there anything in dnd that has a minus something like that's actually an interesting question. I just thought about that. Like, uh, I think have a minus two. Does anything else have a minus? I think in vote. Let me see if I can bolos right here. I think some of the other like the the quote unquote evil races. Yeah, like ally enemy is what you know. Yeah, even in Magic the Gathering. There's the ally um, stuff and, and enemy, which is like okay. Where are the playable phrasing? <laughs> Let's see here. Uh, as you look that up, but yeah, so uh, how can we use TT RPGs to promote equality in Black folks as a whole? Uh, just to finish up on that, um, have have us in your games. Have us as the full breadth and spectrum of of, of games. Like you see someone who's who's black and successful, not just a person, but maybe a society or a group. Um, you know, if and then you know. I, this is a very touchy subject, but black people could be villains, but don't make them like the, 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 the villains, like this guy's just bad from the start. He, he was born bad. He, you know, he, he, he didn't, he didn't care. He stole like candy from other kids when he was a baby. Like, don't do that. Like, you know, you always see like white villains or other race villains as these complex, deep people that got in these positions because normally they're passionate or emotional about some subject that is um you could look at it as lawful good and then 
something turned and something bad happened and they over time slowly change and that happened like you have to tell a robust story you can't just be like if you're using a black person as a villain or any person as a villain because we're all equal but like don't don't fall into that trope right if you're gonna have any villains or any heroes no matter what their race or color make a robust story don't just be like this person's good because they're good like because you'll see that happen so much with like here's a white knight and they're good because they're they're, they're white <laughs> and then you have like this black person's bad because he's bad like no black persons black people could be good and they are good not can't be they are yeah and make that happen in your ga- game like um yep. so yeah promote to promote equality and diversity in ttrpgs it starts with you at the table it starts as you as a dm it starts with you as a player you know um I guess that's what I have to say. Feel free to also send me things on Twitter and, and social media because this is not the full conversation. Yep. Um, kobolds have minus two strength. Orcs have minus two intelligence. Those were the only two that I could find. That is insane. And I, I think I know what people associate kobolds with, which is a whole nother topic for a whole nother day. Yeah. Um, well, I think we should probably wrap this up. Um, yeah. I want to say thanks for being willing to share your story and um, your views on what's happening in this world. It's um, I know that that can take a big emotional toll. And so being willing to use that and use, use the platform that we've, we've built. Um, thank you. Yeah. Um, um, I thank you for giving me the opportunity <laughs> to be a part of this, this party and this campaign. Um, this I, I tweeted this the other day. Like the minute I picked up my first TTRPG book, D and D book, I knew that there was so much power in storytelling, and I knew that there was things I wanted to explain about people of color, Black folks, LBG, LBGTQA, and veterans that I can portray through these stories, and that's where I, I've always started from. And I think listeners, you see that how I play my characters. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, and I don't know if I took away moments from you to speak, and I'm sorry, Stephen, if that was the case. No, it's not about um, me, man. This is not about me. But <laughs> I guess to sign this off, Stephen has to get to daddy duties. Um, yep. But I am um, Michael Kritz on Twitter, at Michael Kritz, at Michael Kritz on Twitch, almost every social media. Please reach out if you need some clarification, because I can't cover all of this um, today. And I will be on some other streams. Pay attention to my social media, where we I'm going to talk more about this uh, in the next couple of days. So um, catch those things out. Pay attention to my Twitter. I think I'm going to be on a thing today with um, hosted by Critical Bard. And then another thing with RS uh, on Twitter, where she has a whole bunch of other Black folks around the table. And we're going to play a game and maybe talk about the issues at hand. Awesome. Awesome. And I'm Steven. I'm at the underscore bad DM. Um, and thanks for listening. Uh, we will get back to our regular programming probably next week. Um, yeah. But in, in the meantime, listen to black folks, promote black folks, elevate black folks' voices. That's all I got. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. All right. <laughs> cool. Sounds good. Signing off. <laughs>